Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and we've got a big win for the Eagles going into the bye as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 378. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films so that we can break down the biggest takeaways from this win over the New York Jets and kind of take stock of this Eagles team heading into the very late bye week as the Eagles prepare uh, for that stretch run. Four games against the NFC East in the final four weeks of the season. We're going to get you ready for that stretch run for this Eagles team. Before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, make sure you go on over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you've got a question, if you've got uh, anything that you want to know about this football team going into the bye at this stage of the season, late in the year, only four games left, all against the NFC East. Now's the time. Jump on over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us that question in our comment section, or if you just want to throw us your, uh, your support, like I said, that is the number one way to give us some help here as we go into the holiday season. It is the season of giving, so give us your support by going on over to our Apple podcast page and throwing us that review. Also, be sure to check out the Journey to the Draft podcast uh, while you're over there. Myself, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler. This week, uh, we broke down some of the big winners in college football this year, who helped their stock the most, and also talked about our biggest takeaways from college football this weekend. Championship Saturday was outstanding. So much great action. We broke down all the biggest games, all the biggest reactions from that, and we also talked with uh, Eagles College scouting director Alan Walking about scouting pass rushers. So a lot covered in the most recent Journey to the Draft podcast. Make sure you go find that wherever podcasts can be found. Also check out some of our All-22 analysis content that is also out there. The All-22 review. Uh, it's all the video clips that Greg and I are getting ready to talk about uh, here in this podcast. You can go find that uh, where I break down all of the, the top plays, the big moments here from Sunday's game against the Jets and also uh, the post-snap read where I really did kind of a hyper-focused look at Dallas Goddard and his performance against the Jets on Sunday. So, covered a lot, but we're going to cover more here coming up now with Greg Cosell. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, excited to dive into the film as I welcome in my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. Greg, uh, fun game to be able to go back and study. Obviously, it wasn't always pretty, uh, and you could look at really all three sides of the ball. There were some errors that the Eagles made that uh, you know were costly, especially early on, but I think that they really rebounded well, uh, and especially, you know, look, on offense, on defense, a lot of good things to kind of take away from this film against the Jets. I tell you what, though, Fred, who would have thought that first half would have been the first half? Yeah. You know, in terms of what, six consecutive possessions with touchdowns. No, I mean, I don't think anybody called that one. I don't think anyone. No, I can't. I can't. I'm sure it's happened, obviously, but I can't remember the last time I saw that. Certainly with the Eagles. No, no doubt. And so, um, you know, kind of looking at this, we'll we'll start on the offensive side of the football. And I guess, look, the the way I would almost want to frame this is. We're going to talk about, obviously, the way Gardner Minshew performed in this game, but he is the backup quarterback. And I guess that's the thing for me is like, uh, you know, I think obviously there are always going to be people that want to try and stir controversy when a backup quarterback does well. But to me, I look at this and say, this is what you want. If you're a coaching team, you want your backup quarterback 
to come into the game and execute the game plan and say, hey, this is what you're asked to do. Come in and execute at a high level. And I think that's what we saw from Gardner Minshew. He did a good job of taking what was given to him by the defense. He made good decisions with the football. It wasn't always pretty. The ball placement wasn't always great. The touch wasn't always there. But I think overall, he came out and executed the game plan. No question. And I think for some, what makes it, you know, maybe more interesting or, or more problematic, whatever word you want to use, is the fact that he plays totally differently than Jalen Hurts. Yep. So they see a difference. And because the execution was pretty high level, they think, oh, my God, this guy should be the starter. And, and it's irrelevant what anybody thinks. The fact is Nick Sirianni's made it clear that Jalen Hurts is the starter. And by the way, we'll get to this game in a sec, but Jalen Hurts has started 16 NFL games now. Yep. That is one season's worth of games. And you and I both know that the style of quarterback he is, uh, because he's not a pure drop back player and a pure pocket player, that sometimes that style quarterback needs more time to develop and grow into the position. So the bottom line is you hit it right on the head. If you need your backup quarterback to win a game, a very important game to stay in the playoff picture, that's what you want. You want execution. Uh, and that's exactly what Gar uh, Gardner Minshew did. He executed the game plan really well. Yeah, the way I've kind of thought about it is that uh, obviously this is coming off of the, the game against the Giants where Jalen Hurts had one of his worst performances of the year, had those three interceptions. If this game happened after, say, the, the Denver game back in week 10, uh, when Jalen Hurts looked at his best and was outstanding and carved up a good defense uh, out there with the Broncos, my guess is there wouldn't be that same discussion, right? And so that, right. to me, that's why that conversation uh, happens now because the last we saw of Jalen was not at his best. But uh, as you mentioned, Nick Sirianni has said, multiple times since uh, since Sunday, Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback uh, of this team. And so uh, with that out of the way, let's get into what the the, the offense looked like here uh, in this game and what we saw from them early on. Yeah, well, you know, a couple of things stood out to me. Um, number one, the, uh, the game plan approach was to play out of multiple tight end sets. That was evident right from the start. Uh, I mean, they played, when all was said and done, they played 19 snaps at a 12 personnel and 16 snaps at a 13 personnel. So this was not an 11 personnel game with three wide receivers. And obviously that was a conscious decision, a game plan decision that they would play with multiple tight end sets. And that would be the foundation. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that stood out on the first couple of series was Dallas Goddard. And not just that they threw him the ball, but it's how they threw him the ball. I thought that the screen game to Goddard was clearly game plan. They ran it on both the first and the second possessions. They got to it out of different personnel and with different backfield actions and different looks. So clearly that's something they wanted to get done against this defense. I um, loved I loved the one on the second drive, the one that came off the, the tackle power play action. It was the one yes. on the left side. Uh, so they pulled Jordan Mailata. And what's one thing that you and I have talked about, Greg, one, best, one of the best ways to really sell play action is to pull an offensive lineman. And I felt like right. in this game, and it happened early on, but it really happened throughout, the, the Eagles did a lot of pulling with Jordan Mailata, with Lane Johnson, on some of these tackle power plays, some of the tackle traps. And I thought that they did a really good job of really selling that play action fake. And you see so many guys, the second level and even the backside yep. DN, uh, all flow towards that run fake. And it just opened up a huge area of grass for Dallas Goddard on the opposite side. Yeah, and that was also the one, I believe, where didn't they have twins to the side that they ran it to yep. initially? Yeah, I think and so, I love, yeah. And I love the routes on that side, removing defenders. See, that's always important. You want to remove defenders in the screen game yep. uh, so that the, maybe there's only one guy that you really have to block. And I thought they did that exceptionally well 
on the second one. Um, also, the second one was another example of Jason Kelsey just having yeah. fun out there. I yep. mean, just looking like he was 20 years old again. So, you know, that's always fun to see. Yeah, and uh, uh, Nick Sirianni giving an update on Jason Kelsey. He had the injury late in the game, uh, said that uh, indefinitely out, no, no, no timetable yet on it, but was hopeful. I believe the, the word was hopeful uh, that he would be back uh, and ready after the bye against the Washington football team. So it's certainly something to watch there. Um, but getting into uh, what we saw, I mean, Dallas Goddard, certainly a featured part of this passing attack, uh, conti- continuing to contribute in the run game as well, has a couple of key blocks and some long runs. Um, but to me, the, the big thing was, was seeing the way that they wanted to utilize Dallas Goddard in this yep. game. And I, I thought too, um, you know, when you talk about the screen game, we saw some screens to, to Gainwell. We saw some screens to Miles Sanders. I thought the, the screen game in general uh, was certainly a focal point uh, against the Jets. Yeah. And, and, um, and Goddard, you're right. I think that was really important. And obviously that was game plan because of what they did on the first two possessions. Yep. The first touchdown that reminded me, and I don't, and obviously a different coaching staff, but everybody runs the same plays for the most part, but it may not have been the exact same play, but it kind of reminded me of a touchdown he scored against the Cowboys a couple of years ago. I believe it was a game they lost, but it was a 28 yard touchdown where he ran, you know, the over route. I think uh, Jeff Heath was the post safety for the Cowboys at the time. Yeah. Do you happen to remember that play? Yeah, I do. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, it probably wasn't the exact same play, but it just, you know, we basically ran an over out. It had a four verticals concept feel to it, this particular one, the 36-yarder this past week. Um, and they went again with inside zone play action. Actually, this time, uh, Minshew was under center. Under center so yeah. this was conventional inside zone play action, um, which was which helped because uh, the guy who had to carry him was uh, the linebacker, Quincy Williams. And, he, you know, if a linebacker pauses and then has to carry a vertical, which he did because it was an inside vertical because uh, Goddard off motion, I believe. Yes, it was off motion. Off yep, motion yep. became number three to trips. Yep. And when you're number three to trips, that inside linebacker or that inside hook defender has to carry number three. And, and he got stuck with the play action. He couldn't do it. Yeah, and that was the thing too. You know, it started as a close formation. It was a two yeah. tight end set over to the to the boundary. Uh, he was lined up initially at number one, and he had a safety over top of him in Elijah Riley. But after the motion, Riley stayed put with Jack Stoll, and he became more of the problem for the linebacker Quincy Williams. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, as you said, uh, he was able to win athletically down the field, uh, made the play for the touchdown. Uh, and then on the second one, on the second possession, just a, a well executed rub concept against man coverage. Uh, there's not well, much I love the play. One. And by the way, the thing that really stood out to me. And you know me, I look for details and nuance. Yeah. I love Goddard off the line of scrimmage. He slow played or tempoed his release. And that's that's obviously taught that way because you want to make sure that Gidry, that's the guy who was on him. It could be anybody, but in this case, it was Gidry of the Jets, that he stays with his eyes on the receiver so he's not aware that there is a natural rub coming. And by tempoing and slow playing your release, you in many ways force the defender right over you to keep eyes on you because, hey, he could break to the inside. Yep. So so I thought Goddard really did a good job there in terms of the details and nuance of that route so the rub element could work at its most effective. And I think, too, that it was more most impressive, too, when you factor in the timing of that release, uh, that that included a, a short motion from yeah. Boston Scott. He was the yeah. outside receiver. Uh, the Eagles in empty in an empty set. It was empty, yes. Yeah, so Scott comes in short motion. So that release has to time up well with that motion. So you know they repped that this week, except oh, of course Boston, they did. But Boston Scott, 
did not rep it because he missed all the entire week of practice with an illness. So uh, the fact that they were able to have that timing down uh, and execute that, uh, I thought was really, really impressive. And, and also, same concept that Devontae Smith had scored his first touchdown on back against the Atlanta Falcons. In week against one. Atlanta. It was the, yeah. same, it was the same exact same thing. play for the most part. Yes, yep. you're exactly right. Yeah, so a concept that has worked for the Eagles uh, here in the past. I mean, it's a, it's a man-beater concept. You know, yep. we see it, it's just every team has those kinds of things. It's a man-beater concept, and uh, and it works, I mean, because you get the natural rub element. And yep. the other good thing about that play is you tend to get the rub element close to the line of scrimmage, so the possibility of offensive pass interference is diminished. Yeah, no question. Uh, well, let's talk about a guy that also uh, made a number of big catches for this team, and that's Quez Watkins. Three three catches uh, on third down. Uh, what did you see here from Quez in this game? Well, just being honest, I thought two of them came because the defender fell down. So, I mean, obviously, you got to catch the ball, but but two of them came because the defender fell down. So, I, I don't. I, I'm just being honest. I don't know what to say, but I think. You know, I think Quez Watkins has a chance to be a good player. I was I was happy to see those kinds of routes, to be honest with you, because normally, you know, he's a speed guy. He came into the league as a speed guy. I'm sure they're trying to make him more than that. And, um, you know, so I was happy to see the kind of routes they asked him to run. Yep. And like you said, you know, still got to be able to, to come up with the catch on the other side. No of it. question. Uh, and does, so did a nice job just making himself available uh, on those plays. Uh, continue to talk about the offense. Um, Miles Sanders, I, I thought, had a really strong game. I, I, I thought, thought he ran really hard. He really stood out to me. You know, I, I, I've told you and I've told many others that I thought last year he really improved as a runner, getting a lot of, of hard yards inside. And I thought that this game really showed that. They ran high percentage zone concepts. They also ran a little trap, a little gap scheme. Um, but I thought he really showed a desirable combination of patience, decisiveness, short area burst, finishing traits. He ran hard. He got hard yards. Almost all his runs were inside. So I really thought that he he ran really, really well in this game. Um, 12 and the thing is, it was a grinded out kind of performance. He only had one run of 10 plus yards. Right. So it was really a grinder performance. And 16 out of his 24 carries came out of 12 or 13 personnel. So they wanted to line up with multiple tight ends and run the ball. Yeah. And to me, like, even on the plays where like, oh, like, is that like a hard run? I thought he was more, more importantly, he was just decisive. There wasn't a yeah. lot of uh, wasted movement in the backfield. And like, you know, there wasn't a lot of the, the dancing. We saw, you know, there was the one cutback run where he went from right to left. But uh, I think outside of that, I think uh, for the most part, he was really decisive. And I think the fact that he did that and ran as hard as he did uh, while fighting off that ankle injury, which, uh, as he said, after the game, is clearly something that's been a factor for him. Um, the bye week coming at a good time here for Miles Sanders. I think that's uh, something that could be applauded as well. You got, you got to give give a lot of credit to Miles with the way he ran in this game. Well, and I'm sure he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because there's been a lot of talk, as you well know, that maybe he's not the guy and who knows where his future is and all that. And I'm sure he felt like he had to come out and show that, you know what, I'm pretty good at this and, and I'm the guy. And he ran really hard. And up front, I thought the 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 job from the offensive line, the tight ends, everybody across the board. I don't know if it was a game where like uh, I would single out one particular offensive lineman, but I thought uh, Landon had a couple of really nice blocks. Uh, Mylata, Lane Johnson, everybody kind of chipping in. Jason Kelsey, as you mentioned on that one screen, uh, just across the board. Uh, oh. I thought the the offensive line, the blocking teams, really worked at a high level. I thought on the Gainwell eighteen yard touchdown, I thought it was an 
outstanding combo block by Dickerson and Maialata on the three technique Shepard with Maialata then climbing to get the backside stack back or Mosley. I thought that was done about as well as you could do it. No doubt. I was just going to say that was about as well blocked up, you know, shotgun power run as, yep. as you could draw. Same side. Same uh, side yeah. power. Yep. You know, Herbig was the puller. He blocked the play side stack backer Williams. And then the, the combo, you know, climbing was, you couldn't do that any better, really. That was the way you draw it up when, when you say, hey, we're going to run this play. And the key block also at the very end uh, from Jalen Rager coming in uh, to block yeah. the safety, Elijah Riley. And that to me, um, you know, that's a, that's a really big thing for me when you look at Jalen Rager and coming back off of what he did a week ago where he had a couple of those tough drops against the Giants that were, you know helped lead uh, to that loss to say like, okay, what are the things that you can control? And some of the things that you say, all right, well, uh, you can control your effort and your want to as a blocker and, and all of those things. And I think that when you look at the way that he was able to kind of bounce back from that, I know, look, he had uh, what was it? One catch for one, one catch, yard yeah. and, you know, a carry for that went for a zero. Uh, look, I don't look at it from that standpoint, but what are the things that you can control? I thought that uh, that was a, a good sign there from a, from Jalen Rager, just to his execution on that play. Yeah, no, overall, it was a really solid performance. Um, you know, it, it was just a workmanlike performance all around. Quarterback yeah. was workmanlike. Run game was really good. O-line played well. Um, obviously it was not a big game for the wideouts necessarily, right. you know, in terms of big time targets and, but the game didn't demand that, you know, oh. it, it, every game, you know, is what it is. And, you know, I, as you've seen on social media, there's a lot of talk about, Oh, it was the jets. And we know the jets are not a good team relative to the rest of the league, but you know, the jets did beat the Titans and they did beat the Bengals and, and they beat the Titans, by the way, with Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones, not the, not the current right. version. So, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, let's put it this way. It's a game they had a win on the road against a team that has beaten some good teams. Yes, had a, had a very bad stretch of defense um, that people talk about. We've spoken about it. But, you know, you have to you still have to go out and execute in those games. Yeah. Uh, and to me, the the other big thing, just kind of going into this matchup, knowing that Jalen Hurts would not be a part of it, would be uh, how much would the approach change, for, especially from a run game standpoint. Right. And I think, obviously, look, you're going to see uh, less of the the QB influenced of run course. game. We didn't see QB power read and QB counter read with Gardner Minshew, but you still saw uh, the same RPOs that the Eagles have run. Uh, we still saw plenty of a lot of the the straight run game, uh, obviously in this matchup as well. And, and I think, obviously, that speaks on their their faith in the offensive line, their faith in the tight ends at the point of attack and be able to handle all of that. Um, but also just kind of looking forward at the identity of this offense, it's pretty clear that regardless of you know, the, the quarterback, uh, the run game is going to be the focal point of this offense being on the stretch. And the shotgun run game, because sure. I don't know what you thought going into this game, but I, I thought that we might see a little more of Minshew under center. And in fact, that was not the case. 15 of Sanders' 24 carries came out of the gun. 24 of Minshew's 28 dropbacks came out of the gun. So this is the way they want to play. And obviously, Minshew's a totally different quarterback than Hurts, but they didn't dramatically change their entire conceptual approach for, no. for Gardner Minshew. Obviously, he didn't have the quarterback design run game. We know that. But the rest of it was, in some ways, conceptually similar. Yeah, I think it's a um, it was a, a big takeaway for me. Just kind of taking a step back, looking at that big picture uh, about the offensive approach. I guess the the last thing they kind of hit on here. Look, four game stretch coming up for the Eagles here against uh, two games against Washington, one against the Giants, one against the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, 
leaning on like, okay, what, who, what is it that the offense can use to their advantage to make this push to the playoffs? And obviously we talked about how uh, Dallas Goddard seemed to be a focal point of the pass game. You talk about the run game, Devonte Smith, uh, a guy that hasn't seen a ton of work from a, a pure target no. standpoint. We see the, the, the flashes on film. So everything is there. We know that it's all there. It's a matter of volume at that point. I think that's where people got to get caught up on. Uh, is he playing well? Is he not playing well? A lot of that comes down to how often you're targeted and the volume uh, will then come with that. Yeah. And I think what they'll work on in the bye week personally, uh, they'll work on a lot of things, including self-scouting, but I think, um, you will see them try to add layers to the, both the run game and the pass game, because I think they know that they'll need more from the pass game down the stretch. The run game is really good. Uh, the O-line is playing at a really high level. You could argue right now that the O-line is a top five O-line in the NFL. Um, and I see just about every team. So I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Uh, but I think you they'll want to add the layers to the run game and then add more elements to the pass game that work off what they can do with the run game so they can dictate defensive reaction. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to define the reads and the throws for Jalen Hurts. So I think that's one thing they'll really focus on during this bye week. I do think that that's kind of the advantage to having that late bye week because obviously, look, they, they have the ability to, number one, get fresh close to a potential postseason run. But uh, number two is that, you know, you have built up a 13-game sample of what your identity is. You've got 13 games worth to be able to say, yeah. hey, this is these are the things that we've done really well. These are the things that have not worked well for us. But we also have all this film out there that we can kind of now let's like hone in on the things that – have worked well. How do we accentuate that? And how do we complement that? Uh, I, th I think that's the one thing that's beneficial as opposed to that early bye week where you haven't really worked out all the kinks yet. You don't know what works, what doesn't. Now that it's this late in the season, I think that that is one benefit to having that late one. Obviously, there's a lot of negatives to having a late bye as well. Right. Uh, but I would think that that would be a positive. Yeah, no, no question. Um, I think they clearly have a sense of who they are now with Jalen Hurts at quarterback and how they want to proceed. They're not still figuring it out. They right. know what they want to be. And now it's time to add and execute. Yeah. And when you talk about the getting those guys healthy, uh, that will also be big, right. obviously. And Jalen Hurts uh, at or near the top of that list. You know, Miles Sanders, Jason Kelsey uh, involved as well. All right, let's go over to the defensive side where, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was not always pretty. Namely, those first three drives go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Uh, Nick Sirianni made the point. Yeah, that, that opening drive uh, that starts uh, on your own 21-yard line. That's not ideal, right? After the No, long no, game. not a good way to start. Uh, no, not a good way to start the game. But I think when you look at uh, the way that the defense tightened up, uh, I thought we saw some good things from them overall I guess after watching the defensive film uh what were some things that stood out to you from this game from this performance well this was a little different game because of of um Stephen Nelson getting hurt so you saw in this particular game the Eagles play more zone and as they got the lead in the second half they stayed with playing more zone uh they didn't pressure quite as much in this game I, I don't think they felt they had to um I thought if you're just talking about individuals, I thought Hargrave really stood out. Yeah. Um, he had some really strong power rushes against the rookie left guard, Vera Tucker, um, who's a powerful man. And Hargrave made him look not so powerful on a number of occasions. Um, so he really stood out to me. I think the D-line, for the most part, again, stood out. I thought Josh Schwett stood out. I thought Fletcher Cox, who I think is playing well. I can't remember the play, but there was a play where Fletcher Cox ran from um, – you know, the box to the screen, it was a screen pass to Tevin Coleman to the left side of the defensive right yeah. side. Offensive yeah. Left. And that really, I mean, I remember watching the play and going, who's that? It was Fletcher Cox. Yeah. And, and, you know, those are the kinds of plays you really like to see because though, you know what, to me, 
from just watching football for a long time, those plays tell you to me that guys are excited about playing and they want to be part of it. You know, because if he didn't roll, run down, nobody would have said, where's Fletcher Cox? Right. But he ran down and made the play and he had to run a good, he literally ran half, half the, the, the width of the field to make that play. Yeah. And, and it was pretty impressive. He's not a small man. No, I think those are the kinds of plays that uh, kind of take the temperature of the defensive identity. And it's something that's been a, it's been a big part of that defensive line over the last, I mean, since I've been here, right. I mean, you, you, go, you like, said it better than I did. That's what I was trying to say. And you just said it better. Oh, thank you. I, I just, I think it's a good way to just kind of get a gauge of uh, just the way that those guys are a buying in, but B what the philosophy is, what they're coaching, what they're preaching, what they're hammering home. Uh, and we've seen that. I mean, look, there were a bunch of those kind of plays in this game. I thought Hargrave on this, I think it was the second possession, maybe the first one, they ran that middle screen to Tevin Coleman. I think it was the opening drive. They yeah. ran that middle screen. Hargrave did a great job of retracing and getting downhill. Uh, yeah. Art Avery had a couple of really impressive motor plays uh, out yes. the sideline. Josh. He had one too. One. Yeah. He um, had one too that really stood out to me and the other thing I was happy to see because I don't know maybe the coaches see it differently maybe I'm crazy you know but I was really glad to see Marcus Epps get a lot of snaps because I like Marcus Epps tape I mean again I'm not going to sit here and tell he's a top three safety in the NFL but I like his tape Uh, and he's a young player I think there's I think there's more there. Um, is he the best athlete at the position? No, but I think there's an awareness to his game. I mean, obviously the interception, you know, is he was, you still have to catch it, but it's not like he made an unbelievable play, but um, I did uh, like the disguise coverage on that play. That's the thing. I yes, think disguise laid movement to what I, it looked to me like cover three. Did yeah. I thought it was, I, I'd labeled that as an invert cover three. That's what I thought too. Yeah. yeah. And they did a bunch of invert cover two as well, by the way. Yep, they did. And so yeah. like, basically what happened pre-snap is that you had two safeties, Harris and McLeod, lined up deep, and it looked like a two-high shell pre-snap. And then at yep. the snap of the ball, both of those guys stepped down to cover the middle of the field as middle hook players. And, uh, and Epps, who was working underneath, well, he dropped back to the post. And basically yep. all that does is it completely changes the picture for the quarterback. You have a, no a, question. a two-high shell, uh, and now it's, okay, middle of the field's open. And- uh, the underneath middle, I mean, the intermediate area in the middle, that, they found some nice completions that are Elijah Moore in the early stages of this game. Well, that gets completely taken away. You've got both safeties dropping down uh, into the hook, and now those those throws are gone. Those off the table. Yeah, and you can do that when it's third and ten. You can't yes. do that when it's third and three. You no, know, no. but yeah. So that no, I, you're right. I thought they did again. They didn't. They didn't play as much man, and they didn't blitz as much. But I thought they had a number of disguised late movement coverages that they've been doing more and more of throughout. You know, the last month, six weeks. Um, you know. I know Jonathan Gannon was an easy target, but over the last six games, I think they're only allowing something like 17 points a game, Fran. And and that's, you know, in this league, if you allow 17 points a game on defense, you have a pretty good chance of winning games. Yeah. I mean, there was a stat that Ruben Frank had put out that there aren't, haven't been many coaches in Eagles history that have kept uh, opponents under 18 points as often as Gannon has, has done uh, so far this season. It has not been perfect. It has not always been pretty. Uh, but I think that they've really kind of rounded into form on that side of the football. And, uh, you know, kind of thinking about just taking a step back and thinking about what the approach was in this one. As you mentioned, you know, they didn't blitz often. They may not have felt like they needed to. I think they kind of relied 
relied on that four-man rush and said, look, Zach Wilson, what has been the, the big knock on him so far this season and as a rookie has been, hey, he's been a little bit too aggressive. He's been, he hasn't right. he always let the offense work for him. Well, if that's the case, let's make sure, let's try and see if we can make him do that. Okay. Let's make, let's see if we're going to make him do that. Uh, and if, if that changes, then we'll, then we'll kind of change the right. game plan, but we're going to take away some of those deeper throws. We're going to change up the coverage looks uh, at times. And I think that that worked for them uh, once they, once, especially uh, once you kind of got into the rhythm of the game. Right. No question. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think that that's with a, with a young quarterback, you always want to show some disguise, some late movement. The goal of course is to make him, think after the snap of the ball. And that's something that the film has told you that Zach Wilson had struggled with when he played this year. And I actually thought, you know, not that we're discussing Zach Wilson, thought he had some good moments in this game. But one of those better games. Yep. There's still much to work on, but he, he he's definitely had some good moments in this game. Yeah, I think the touch in the ball placement is the one area where I, I, was, uh, I was expecting to see a little bit better over the course of no, his career. It was based off BYU, what, you know? That's what he really needs to work on. He needs yeah. to... Right now, he's a one-speed thrower. He doesn't throw with any pace and touch, and he must become much more consistently precise with his ball placement. He's he's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I think I wrote down. I think it was like I wrote. I described his ball placement as like effortless at times when he was at BYU, yeah. and that's just that, that has not been the case so far uh, in the NFL. So certainly something uh, that he can continue to work on. Uh, on the the sweat, uh, the Josh Sweat sack. I thought that was a really nice little breakdown play because uh, I thought that the Eagles really did a nice job in coverage in terms of matching up uh, in underneath zone, kind of taking away that early throw. Uh, you get the pressure from Hargrave. You got Barnett kind of flashing color into the B gap, and now Wilson tries to escape through the back door. And he steps right into a, a very violent uh, finish there from Josh Sweat. I thought that was a, a fun kind of breakdown play as well. Yeah, no, no, they, they this defensive front's playing well. Yeah. Um, you know, um, we've talked about Milton Williams. This wasn't his best game, but, you know, he's he plays meaningful snaps and and he's a part of it. But, um, you know, Sweat, when he can line up more at the wide nine and pass rush situations is very, very good. We've talked about Hargrave all year. He's had a really solid year. And just, I guess, kind of putting a bow on this, talking about the linebacker level. We talked about TJ Edwards, and uh, we've talked about him nonstop, it feels like, over the last month and change. Uh, Alex Singleton getting another start here uh, with Davion Taylor on injured reserve. Uh, any any takeaways, any thoughts, any notes uh, from those guys as we kind of put a ribbon on the defensive performance? You know, Singleton to me is a fascinating player because, you know, I, the consensus would clearly be that he's not a great linebacker. I don't think I'm saying anything out of school, but the guy – is around the ball a lot <clears throat> and he makes a lot of tackles. Now I'm not grading him on every play. You're probably watching him more closely than I am, but when he plays, he makes tackles. Yeah. I think to me, I think the big improvement with him uh, from week one till week 13 uh, has been, he's been, and this is just that from a linebacking core in general, I would say this, they've been much more aggressive downhill yes. uh, when it comes to the run game. The, the blocks aren't in their lap four or five yards deep uh, into the secondary. They're meeting these blocks at one, two yards at the line of scrimmage. And uh, they're showing also showing the ability to beat some of these blocks because they're getting there with some, you know, with more yeah. uh, Vic and vigor. So I think to me, uh, that has been the one standout <laughs> thing with me with Singleton, um, you know, he's a, he's a little bit lighter, but he has that ability to beat blocks with his feet uh, as long as he can be decisive and, and make sure he t- gets downhill yeah. faster. I think he's been been that way over the last couple of weeks. I would agree with that for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then I guess just uh, this defense, just big picture looking forward here uh, through these next, you see this four game stretch, you watch Washington, uh, you watch the New York Giants, you watch the, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, just thoughts on this defense now as they're kind of gearing up for their run. We've seen the, the philosophical changes, the, the, the defense kind of starting to uh, evolve right in front of us. Uh, thoughts on just what they're going to try and do during this bye to get ready for the stretch run. Well, I think when you have a solid defensive front, you can really do a lot of different things because you can always rush four if you choose to and play coverage. Uh, and then you have seven in coverage and you can do a lot of things from a disguise, late movement, deception standpoint, which we're seeing more of. And then you can really be selective with your blitzes. Uh, because obviously, even though the Eagles have blitz more prior to the Jets game, they're not a high percentage blitz team relative to the rest of the NFL. But you can really be selective with when you do it, how you do it, who you use, you know, how it looks. And I think that's where we started to work toward. And I think you'll see more of that going forward. Yeah. And whether and it's like you said, whether you uh, are going to show pressure and send pressure, show pressure and fall out with some of those simulated pressures right. that we've talked about, uh, that versatility uh, certainly can you know keep defense or keep offenses guessing, uh, keep quarterbacks guessing. And that's something that will play in their favor uh, down the stretch here. And we'll see uh, who exactly they line up against. Obviously, they're going to see Taylor Heineke a couple of times, uh, Dak Prescott. And then whatever is going to happen here with the Giants, because Daniel Jones obviously injured Mike Glennon, uh, his status is unknown. Protocol, for this week, I so. believe. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so we'll see exactly what that picture looks like uh, by the time the Eagles take on the Giants in a couple of weeks. But uh, Greg, we will continue to break this team down uh, for the, the final stretch run of this 2021 season. Uh, thanks for joining us once again here on Chalk Talk, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Fran. Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week when you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta. We provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. So great stuff there from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this show on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show. But the other way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that. King Rash left a five-star review saying, uh, was Jalen Hurts' ankle a reason why he was not throwing off off of his back foot uh, against the New York Giants. Thank you for the excellent reviews. Uh, we as fans enjoy them. Some of my customers probably don't appreciate hearing Eagles news here in Oklahoma, uh, but part of the cost of getting custom granite work done uh, out here. So listening uh, to the podcast while doing installations, great stuff there uh, from King Rash, who was always uh, representing his Eagles love out there in Oklahoma. Uh, to me, I, look, yeah, I would think that I, I don't know exactly when that injury occurred for Jalen Hurts, but when anytime you're talking about a foot or an ankle or a knee, look, the lower body is going to impact a quarterback's ability to throw the football. We also know uh, how much Jalen is going to use his legs in the run game, right? And so uh, clearly that injury had an impact on him in that Giants game. Uh, not sure when that happened and how, you know, how that impacted him, at what point that started impacting him, but um, not enough for him to be able to go against the New York Jets. My guess is he's going to be in good shape by the time we get uh, to this Washington game in Week 15. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a good question, and obviously credit to Jalen for the toughness that he showed, uh, not only to gut out 
out the rest of that game against the Giants a couple weeks ago. But then also, uh, he was dead set on trying to play uh, here this week. Just could not get that ankle uh, to the point where he could. So, uh, great question there from King Rash. Great stuff, uh, as always, from everybody here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. But before we wrap up the show, uh, what I like to do each and every week, look, we're only doing one episode of the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast here this week. So, I'm going to take what we usually put late in the week with our Eagles game plan, kind of leftovers, right? Uh, the, all the analysis that I couldn't squeeze into the 30-minute show with John Clark and Ike Reese, Mike Quick, Greg Cosell, all of that analysis, I want to make sure that no, that doesn't go to waste. So I'm going to use it right here for our listeners, our for our, uh, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. And so, that said, we're going to keep trucking along here with Eagles game plan. Let's get to some of that great analysis from in the studio. And you could probably say the same thing about Dallas Goddard. He became yeah. tight end number one when Zach Ertz was traded. He got his contract. What have you loved about Dallas? Well, just his continued evolution at the tight end position, right? And not just being known for being a pass catcher. He has become a complete tight end as he's in his fourth year with the Philadelphia Eagles. A much better blocker than he was when he first came into mm-hmm. the league. We know how great he is once he gets the ball in his hands, the run after the catch. Watching Dallas Goddard play the tight end position and continue to evolve can only excite you as an Eagles fan as you have one of the best bright young tight ends in the game locked up and under your control for the next four years. And then when you throw the quarterback into the run game, it just makes it that much harder. Yes. I mean, Jalen Hurts, not only is he very athletic, right, and his speed can be deceptive at times. I think he's running in that sort of cool, calm, slow motion way. But for some reason, guys can't catch up to him. So he's a deceptive runner. And I think he's an underrated, powerful runner. His legs are strong. We know about how much he can squat. He adds that into the run game. I think you're talking about not a three-headed monster, but a four-headed monster that you can add the quarterback in. And it makes makes it difficult for defenses. How about for you, the the young coaching staff, Nick Sirianni, we saw him with a shift from passing the ball then to becoming a running team. How do you think they've grown? It's been tremendous growth, and we should all be encouraged by that. I think the coaching staff, as well as the young players, continue to ascend in the direction you want to see them in. From where they started off at the beginning of the year to where they are now, you see the improvement. You see it out there on the field. This was a team that had a lot of self-inflicted wounds early in the season. Penalties, things that negated positive plays. You're not getting that over the last four to five to six weeks, and it's resulting in Ws. Here's the other thing. The ability to change and adjust adapt to your personnel. You talked about guys that have been injured at times, ineffectiveness of the offense at times, having that willingness to go in, look at yourself, do self-scouting and say, well, these are areas that we feel like we can put our players in better positions. And they've been able to do that. And again, you see the results out there on the field. So while we talk about how young the team is on the offensive side of the ball and how they're growing, it has to also be encouraging that we're watching a young coaching staff evolve before our eyes as well. Yeah, and and you saw when Brandon Graham went down, he was usually the positive energy on the team. Slay has really picked that up. And Slay is the number one rated corner in man coverage. Is the coverage getting better and tighter? Yeah, well, let me just take Ike's point a little bit further. Look on the other side of Steven Nelson and the way he's playing now. Much tighter coverage on the receivers. And I think you look at that entire secondary, you're starting to see these guys match in coverage a little bit better and making it more difficult at the catch point for these receivers to catch balls. I think the back end has gotten so much better. And I know it has a lot to do with what's happening on the front end and getting pressure on quarterbacks. Now, they've also still been able to get excellent pressure from their down four. We saw that in the last game against the Jets. 
We saw Javon Hargrave have some outstanding power rushes against the rookie left guard for the Jets. We saw Josh Sweat with a great spin move against Morgan Moses, the right tackle. Fletcher Cox has played very well over the last month as a disruptive inside force as a pass rusher. They've gotten very good snaps from Milton Williams, the rookie from Louisiana Tech. So what we're seeing now defensively is a defense that can rush the quarterback with their down four, but can also selectively, judiciously, and when needed, pressure. Zone pressures, man pressures. They're disruptive. Yeah. You're seeing these guys, and they're able to break down the offensive protection. They're able to get pressure on the quarterbacks. There's so many good things that happen when you're able to get pressure on the quarterback, and you're able to break down what they want to do, throw off their timing, and that's what this front four can do. Perfect examples. You have to pick your poison. (laughs) And when you go to the left, they're going to beat you on the right. You go to the right, they're going to beat you on the left. That's what they're able to do. And how much have you seen an improvement or growth with the linebackers working in concert with the defensive line, run fits, and also plugging those holes, but attacking? And that's really the improved play of the linebackers, right? It really is. Being decisive, getting downhill. My former teammate, great middle linebacker here, Jeremiah Schroeder, that's what he made his living doing, playing downhill in those A-gaps. And he used to say, hey, I got to get to them before they get to me. And that's the way our linebackers are starting to play now. They're on the attack as opposed to receiving the hits. So again, be sure to check out Eagles Game Plan. It'll go up digitally uh, Wednesday across all Eagles channels, or if you live in the Philadelphia area, uh, NBC 10, still Sunday, 10 a.m., the normal time. Make sure you go check it out each and every week, getting you ready for every Eagles game. And we don't take the, take the week off this week uh, just because there's a bye week. So uh, continuing to get you ready and bringing you uh, this Eagles All-22 analysis. Great stuff this week uh, from Greg Cosell. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella DiGiovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.